Hi, this is Bill Woods. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope that you remember to thank God for all your many blessings. And now we're about ready to start talking about the Christmas celebration, about how God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to talk today about the dummies miss Christmas. Hebrews chapter 9 verses 27-28 says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. It was Christmas in Bethlehem, the very first Christmas, the Christmas that started all other Christmases. Such a wonderful event was too much for heaven to hold back. An angel choir broke through the mystic intervening veil and, and burst into joyous caroling. What praise those shepherds must have heard that night out there taking care of their sheep. There's never been such a concert before or since. Think how it must have sounded echoing through the sky and the valleys. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. But history's most wonderful event passed almost unnoticed. The multitude slept through that wonderful night. There are four things to notice about this wonderful event. One, the world missed its first Christmas. Two, many should have recognized it was Christmas. Three, why they missed it, and four, that that Christmas is much like what's happening today. So the world missed its first Christmas. Only a few people even knew it was Christmas, maybe 12 or 15 at the most. The rest of the people slept through that wonderful night. You know, it's easy to get so set in our routines that we miss wonderful things around us. When we lived in Grand Coulee, Washington, it was the dam. What a marvelous thing it was for people to come and, and look at the water, the spillway going down the 500 or so feet. At night, they turned colored lights on it. It was beautiful. But people that lived there in Grand Coulee just took it for granted. They very seldom even bothered to stop and look. If they went across the bridge at the bottom of the dam, they just kept their eyes on the road. They didn't look at what the, the people that were coming from miles away to see, which was spectacular. They were used to it. When we lived in the Columbia Gorge, it was Multnomah Falls and, and all the other falls up and down the river that were spectacular, with spectacular views, but people that lived there just took it for granted. They were used to it. In Seattle, it was the Space Needle, and it was Mount Rainier, and it was the Puget Sound, and there's so many beautiful things around there, but people kind of just got in their own routines. The people that lived around there just kind of took it for granted. Fletcher Spruce told about his visit to Bethlehem. He said to him it was a moment never to be forgotten, while to the men who lived there it was nothing special. You know, there were several thousand in Bethlehem and hundreds of thousands in Palestine. Only a few shepherds, a few wise men, and two old prayed-up saints even knew anything out of the ordinary was happening. Well, Many should have recognized it was finally Christmas. They should have been watching for him. The Jews had the books of Moses and the writings of the prophets. 
They'd been taught to respect and study these writings since they were children. They were to teach them to their children. Genesis told about man's fall into sin and God's promise to send a Messiah to bruise the serpent's head. They knew the promise given to Abraham that in thee and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. They had the record of Jacob's special blessing given to his son Judah. In Genesis 49.10, it says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. Isaiah had written in Isaiah 7.14, All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a, a child. She'll give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He lived in a dark day, Isaiah did, but he could see beyond that and wrote in Isaiah 9, 6, where a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice, from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. The prophet Micah named the very town where the Messiah was to be born. Micah 5.2 says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. Daniel gave the time of the Messiah's coming, Daniel 9.25. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. Even if there was some uncertainty of the exact date that the Messiah would come, the time was so near that the Jews should have been on the alert. Daniel had said it would be 483 years. If they checked the calendar, they would see it was right on schedule. We know they had access to that information because they looked it up for Herod when after the wise men came and Herod said, Tell me, is there supposed to be a king born here? Well, why did they miss it? How were they so blind that they didn't recognize Jesus, their Messiah? The scribes and Pharisees missed him because they substituted legalism for spirituality and ceremonialism for vital experience. They were self-righteous and complacent and didn't feel in need of his Savior. They missed him because they weren't looking for him. The innkeeper missed him because of material interests. Millions today are missing Christmas for the very same reason, all wrapped up in trying to make money and further the economy. Who has time to think about the coming of the Savior? Wicked old Herod said he was interested in finding Jesus, but it wasn't really like he told the wise men he wanted to worship him. It was because he was jealous that there might be another king that would come in and unseat him. He was so jealous over his throne that he had already killed uh, three of his sons that he thought were threats to his throne. He had killed his wife and his favorite wife and his mother-in-law. 
and, and made sure that nobody was going to be able to uh, take over his throne. And now the wise men come and say there's a new king. And he was paranoid. He went ballistic. Herod didn't find him because of selfishness and insincerity. Well, what made the difference between those who found and those who didn't find the Savior? Simeon and Anna found baby Jesus because they were looking for him. Faith is the key if we want, are to find Christ, faith in God. If we're to find the true meaning of Christmas, we must get beyond the billion-dollar commercialized, tension-filled holiday season that the average non-Christian celebrates or else suffers through. The shepherds found Jesus because of their simplicity and humility. You know, God loves simplicity and sincerity. God hates sophistication and pretense. Yeah, I understand that uh, over if you b visit Bethlehem, that uh, the door to the nativity, at least they think it was the nativity, is so low that everyone has to bow to get in. The wise men found Jesus because they were willing to seek him. Mary found Christmas as an unquestioning submission to God's will and purpose. It's God's greatest gift to men that made Christmas. I know that we get all hung up with, what am I going to buy for this person and that person, for Aunt Sadie, for Uncle Tom, and we miss the whole meaning. And it always strikes me funny. You know, I just had a, a birthday celebration, and I thought how funny it would be if everybody brought gifts for each other, but nobody thought about the fact being my birthday. Well, that's what we do to God. In fact, we don't even invite him to the celebration. God, expressing his love and forgiveness to all uh, who will accept it, has given us the greatest gift of all. God revealed his fathomless love through a person, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. There was a lady last year that I talked to at Home Depot that saying, I don't understand. She said, without Christ, there is no celebrating. And she was exactly right. What do people celebrate? Winter holiday or, or what? If you're not celebrating the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The true spirit of Christmas is a spirit of unselfish giving. And Jesus gave his all 100%. Too often our giving is calculated on what we can get back. If I give Aunt uh, Barbara this, uh, am I going to be able to get something of equal value back? And if not, maybe I won't give her a gift next year. Well, the first Christmas was much like today. With all the Bible warnings of Christ's first coming, most people missed it. Scripture warns that Jesus is coming again, and the signs are all around us. I hope you don't miss it. I hope you're not a dummy like those people at the first Christmas were. There are 578 references to Christ's second coming in the Bible, 260 in the Old Testament, 218 in the New Testament. Christ's return is mentioned 50 times in the epistles. One of every 23 verses in the Bible mentions Christ's return. There are indications suggesting Jesus Christ's return to restore Israel and establish his millennial reign may be in the very near future. 
These are Israel's return to the land that God promised to them. You know, uh, that's one of the things that, that we were told that they would come back into their own land. And that happened in May, May 14th, 1948. They became a nation again. This is a modern miracle. They were dispersed for over 1,900 years. In fact, Israel didn't even exist as a nation. But they're back in their own country today. I want to explore more details of this miracle in later podcasts, but today we're going to go ahead and finish what I have to say. Jesus warned that the generation that saw Israel restored as a nation would not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Matthew 24, 34-35 says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Lawlessness is abounding. That's one of the things we said he said was going to happen. Crime is on the increase. Today, our courts are tolerating crime instead of enforcing uh, uh, people to be arrested and put in jail and stuff. It's just in some parts like California, you don't even get arrested for shoplifting anymore. Matthew twenty four twelve through 14 says, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Another sign that we're supposed to watch for apostasy says apostasy will be well entrenched. Our churches are full of false teachers and false preachers today. People no longer fear God. The main theme among most churches are the preachers preach to make people feel good, not to repent of their sins, not to tell them that judgment is coming, not to give them an opportunity to realize that God loves them and they are going to have to accept him as their personal savior. Again, a religious appetite for the ecumenical one-world church is consuming many religious leaders. That's another sign we're supposed to watch for. Pope Francis is working to establish a one-world religion. In fact, he met with religious leaders around the world to make Chrislam, or Christianity and Islam, the official world religion. He called the world religious leaders to meet with him on Mount Sinai, November 13th through 18th, 2022. That is just past. They are there to. They were there to write the new Ten Commandments based on climate change, and the whole thing is is blasphemy. Pope Francis and the Grand Iman Ahmed El Tayeb of Al Azhar have established the Abraham House in Abu Dhabi, which consists of a mosque, a church, and a synagogue as headquarters for the one world religion, trying to mold everything together. Old-time denominations have lost their way and are endorsing the LGBTQIA plus lifestyle and gay marriage. Some of these compromising denominations are the Presbyterian USA, United Methodist Church, Episcopal Church, United Church of Christ, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, Society of Friends, Quaker, uh, 
Unitarian Universalist Association of Churches, Reformed Jewish Movement, and on. This seems like people are no longer wanting to hear the gospel. People are no longer wanting to come out from the world and be separate. People are now willing to accept almost anything. If it feels good, do it. They tell us another sign is worldwide famine. It's predicted to soon engulf the world. And, and, you know, we can worry about it, but keep your faith in Jesus Christ because Christ is going to uh, take care of us through these times. He will give us strength to face whatever we have to. Many prophecies concerning the Great Tribulation are rapidly falling into place at a breakneck speed today. You say, well, yeah, but that's supposed to come in the Tribulation. But they have to be in place for those seven years of hell right here on earth governed by the Antichrist. The Bible predicts violent earthquakes, horrific storms, wars, and rumors of wars. Read the news. See what's happening today. These prophecies are happening continually. The Great Reset is coming with, that will change the entire world economy into a digital currency of some sort so that the Antichrist can control buying and selling. We are told that by 2030, we will own nothing and be happy. The Euphrates River is drying up to allow the kings of the east to march on Jerusalem. People are hearing what they identify as the four angels that God chained under the Euphrates. The third temple is being built or will be built shortly and all the materials have been gathered. The red heifer has been found which will be sacrificed in connection to the temple. And, and you know, there's persecution. Christians are being severely persecuted in much of the world. Now, these are just a few of the signs signaling the second coming of Jesus Christ. All these things are taking place and much more. This is the first time in history that this world takeover is possible. While it is true that many awful things are happening today, they don't compare to the awful things that will happen during the Great Tribulation. Matthew 24, 21 says, For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. I, I tell you what, wake up. If you're not paying attention, realize time is short. Jesus Christ is coming again. Don't miss it. Let me encourage you that if you are a genuine Christian serving Jesus, you won't have to face the horrors of the tribulation at its worst. Jesus is going to take his bride, the church, to the marriage feast of the Lamb. And you can be part of that if you repent of your sins, accept Jesus as your personal Savior, and begin to live a life to glorify God. You know, God has always protected his people. Even, uh, I mean, when his judgment is poured out on earth, he takes care of his own. God rescued Noah and his family during the flood. They were safe inside the ark while the rain and the floods came. He sent angels to rescue Lot's family in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I know Lot's wife disobeyed, turned around and looked back and became a pillar of salt. And that was literal. And I know that, but God had sent his angels in to bring Lot's family out. It was her choice that caused her to, to demise. 
He will rescue his people this time too. Judgment is not for his beloved Christians. It is for those who have rejected his love and continue to sin and blaspheme God. The key is not to grow careless and risk being caught unprepared. God has provided plenty of warning in his word to help us be ready for his return. Revelation 1.7 says, Look, he is coming with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. Revelation 22.12 and 13, Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Peter speaks of Christ's coming and warns about scoffers. Second Peter 3, 3, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. James 5, 8 says, You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not be grieved like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain in the earth, we caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. In 1 Corinthians 15:51 through 53, Paul says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. I want you to know Jesus Christ is coming again. The first thing will be the rapture, where he takes his church out, and then then the, the, the tribulation. And then finally, the, the, after the millennia, the thousand-year reign that Jesus is going to reign here on earth, he's going to come back after the seven-year tribulation and set up his kingdom. And you and I can be coming back with him as part of his kingdom. Then, uh, he, after that, he established a kingdom for a thousand years. Then the final judgment, final resurrection and judgment, where the people that didn't know him will be brought out for judgment. Jesus came the first time over 2,000 years ago, just like God said that he would, but most people missed it. They weren't paying attention. God said that he's coming a second time, and most people are going to miss that one too. I, I found an interesting poem. It says, "'Twas the night before Jesus came. 
"'Twas the night before Jesus came, and all through the house not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead, and Mom in her rocker and with Babe on her lap was watching the late show while I stood uh, while I took a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear, but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here, with a light like the sun sending forth a bright way ray, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning, just like he had said. And though I possess worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life which he held in his hand was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name when he said, It's not here. My head hung in shame. The people whose names had been written with love he gathered to take to his Father above. With those who were ready he rose with a sound while all the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long, and this sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I had been ready tonight. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Christ is drawing near. There's only one life, and when comes the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all. Only those who are watching will know it happened and will go to be with him. The dummies were so preoccupied that they missed that first Christmas, and the dummies today will miss his second coming and be left behind. What about you? Are you one of the dummies that will be left behind? My message for you today is wake up. Make this a Christmas where you truly know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're ready for him to come and take you to be with him as part of his family for all eternity. Oh God, I pray that you help people today that have listened to this that they will do some heart searching. And if there is something, Lord, that is wrong in their lives, they will confess it to you. They will allow you to forgive them, to change them, and make you the people they ought to be. Thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you for coming to out of heaven to earth to take our sins upon yourself because we could not pay for our sins. Thank you for dying on that cross and shedding your blood for us because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. We could not do it with our blood, but you did it with yours because your blood was perfect. And all we have to do is accept you and what you've done for us. Help us to do that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. We're a little early this week getting it out because I have a funeral that I need to conduct. And, and uh, next week we'll get back on schedule. Remember, if you want to get in touch, my email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. My mailing address is box 4031, 
Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. I hope that you know him as your personal Savior. And I hope Christmas is not just a, a time of uh, frantic uh, trying to catch up, but that you'll take time to really enjoy the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that you might be saved. God bless.